This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. It is such a sunny day in Toronto, and it actually feels oh, nice. Usually grief. when people say it's cold oh. or it's hot, I don't believe them at all. And so when it said 11 degrees, I was like, it's freezing. I wore my... Fur-lined coat. It's kind of like a winter coat, Kels, but the inside is all furry, and that's what I usually wear. If it's, I don't trust that it's going to be warm outside, but it's actually too warm. It's very, very nice. So anyway, just wanted to News say... Newsflash. Yeah, the other people in Canada fun. don't care about Toronto. I know. Nobody takes Toronto seriously, but I'm saying it Toronto is actually centric. mild. This is not me trying to say it's supposed to be cold. This is me saying it's actually mild. I... Here, you guys, we should not be complaining. It's practically spring outdoors. No. And, but, but the biggest thing is it's sunny. Okay, that's the yep. biggest part. Now... In November. In November. And you got to catch all the sunny days you can from November till... Well, yeah. Like Because this late in the day, the sun will be uh, going down in 20 exactly. minutes. Exactly. Just don't get me started. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of Sunday. So Sunday vibes is, I think, a thing. Like... People have particular things they do on Sundays, ways that they like to feel on Sundays. I don't know, maybe even just music-wise, you know, that radio stations will say, hey, this Mm -hmm. is our Sunday lineup. So for you, what is it? Do you have a Sunday vibe? No. Um, I mean, I grew up being told it's the day for the Sunday drive. It's the day, leave Mm. us alone, it's Sunday. Don't bother me and ask for anything. Okay, Dad. Um, For me, it was also travel day when I was in school back to W. Ross. So I had a love-hate thing with Sundays. If I had to go back to the blind school, absolutely hated Sundays. If I didn't, it was a long weekend. It was the greatest day of the week. Now, last week, I was happened to be taking an Uber ride on a Sunday, and it was very quiet, and I asked the driver, can you turn on the radio, please? And he said, okay, and put it on Jazz FM. And that oh, yeah. was the ideal Sunday vibe, right? Like, I f- it is. I it feel is. like that is for well, you, to too. me, that yeah. station is a is a good vibe every day. I know. But they have some great programming on Sundays. On Sundays, and it just feels like the day. If there was any day of the week that you should put on Jazz, it should be on a Sunday. And also... Cleaning. Cleaning all day. Well, cleaning stuff. to jazz isn't bad, right? No. Like you just, you Laundry, just move cleaning. to the music, you get the right. Do all of it, exactly. Pull the vacuum out. And away you go. This might be a little too dancey for me. Now I want like big band music. Anyway, let's see what's coming up on today's show. Oh, I wish that they brought in the music for that, see if it worked. But anyway, Fern Lullum is stopping by to talk about the new Netflix miniseries, All the Light We Cannot See. She was the one who provided audio description for that. We'll talk to her more about it. How can you make the perfect cookie? Chef Mary Mammoliti drops in to give us some tips. Later on in hour two on the round table, Mark Phoenix is joining us. He is, of course, a constant returning guest on the round table. Uh, here's what's happening in America. Americans will spend $16 billion on smart toys by the end of the year. Imagine the world's most fun robot living in your house. The Public Interest Research Group's, or PERG, has imagined it and is terrified by the result. 
The organization's 38th annual Trouble in Toyland report says that despite promises from manufacturers, toy companies have been sanctioned for capturing and storing data on smart toy users. Perg urges parents to carefully read the privacy statement before buying a smart toy for their kids. It can learn everything you like to do. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Okay, well, I'm not sure exactly what this thing is telling us because all I hear is a smart toy, and I'm like, I don't want that, but he's saying be careful, watch out. Um, smart toys, Kells, we talk about smart everything. Did we think that everything. smart toys were going to be a problem, a challenge, um, something to get a lot of backlash on? I, I No, I, I well, I mean, I figure everything is because even as a kid, you and I can probably think of toys that they said, that's an unsafe toy. That sure. teaches the wrong morals. There was always something. The only thing is I, I struggle with, okay, how smart and how cool can a toy be? And then we start thinking about things like what will they be like down the road? What are people going to say? I have to warn you about that toy. I mean, I even thought when you get the groupings of lights and control them with your phone, change mm. the car. It's not a smart toy. No, that's, that's just an enhancement, right? And what makes a toy better than any other smart thing? Like we can still play games on our smart home devices, right? Like our Echoes and Googles and everything else. It's just else. the technology though, yes. right? It's like saying dolls it's are what, dolls. Like it means a lot of different things. It makes it interesting too. Like it's flashy. It's meant for the kids. The, the, the styles and things that it comes with, those are techniques of catering and marketing, which I guess makes right. it different. Um, but I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm on the same page as you. I'm not sure what we're supposed to be aware of specifically with these and with anything else that's smart already available to us or the tablets that kids go on and the tablets are smart already. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I guess it's the, I mean, the multiple time, it's sort of like the same warning they'd give you uh, the hours one would stay playing a video game, maybe the smart toys. It's you're, t you're spending too much time going from playing yeah. with your smart toys to playing a video game to watching, you know, YouTube or whatever. But that sounds that like the wrong You're just living problem. on your tablet. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like the oh, wrong no, problem. Sorry. It sounds like we're pulling, uh, what do you call it, laser pointing at these devices and these things, but it's really something else, no? Something deeper. Yeah, it's hard because we get mainly on the how much time are you spending on the device? Yes. What are people doing? But they're always going to say that. If a kid's yeah. out on his bike all day, they're, I spend so oh, much yeah. time pedaling around in that hot sun. I was just going to say, like, we went out when we were kids. Nobody cared about screens. We were out, like, no. 12 hours a day. But that was a problem also, right? So it's really the more screen about... screen they worried about is you pounding <laughs> on it when you said, can I come in? Yeah, no, no, exactly. go out for another hour. Yeah. But I've been gone all day. Yeah. I'm hungry. By the time my parents found us, it was already a problem. When they woke up in the morning, oh, you, used to, you did find your gone. house, did you? Already gone. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Michael Fair. He usually on Thursdays brings us audio entertainment and tech. We got part two of the deep dive on Apple's second-gen AirPod Pros because he's got some and he wants to help us review. We'll be right back. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Yeah, we were swapping stories uh, over the break of embarrassing things we've done. You know, parents and guiding and all that. Kels, we both have experiences sitting on people on TTC, not seats, but others. Well no, not so much me, thank God, because oh, there's good. not enough insurance Oof. advice. It's more when you're guiding and a bunch of you get on and you, you know, you could sit here, you could sit here. Oh, excuse like the blind leading the blind? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Totally that. I've done yeah, that yeah. as well. Uh, excuse me, I'm sitting here. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, these are like low vision moment stories, right? Things we need to share with Jenny Bovard because we have 
so many of them. Oh, well, I think it's a whole um, series of its own, right? I know. It's a whole subject category. Yeah. 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 Buses. I know when we were doing Blindsided, we did all those sketches <laughs> of those things, thing. too, because mm -hmm. it is totally just like, uh-oh, these are those moments, jumping in the wrong car and thinking it's your mom or dad and saying, hi, how are you? And leaning are you over and, oh, excuse me. Why won't oh, you sorry. unlock the door? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen. Go to get in what I think is my parent car and the person, and I even hear the locks. Yes. <laughs> You're <laughs> not getting in here. <laughs> we definitely scared some vehicles. Uh, like that guy's not climbing in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't know what to say. <sighs> I'm surprised. You're lucky they what don't pull away while you're hanging onto the door handle. Ex exactly. Let's... Wrong car! <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to audio entertainment and tech with Mike Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Last week, Mike described the benefits of Apple's second-gen AirPod Pros for average users. Uh, however, you're not an average user, Mike. You have moderate hearing loss, and usually you wear hearing aids during the day. Uh, and right now, you only have one um, working hearing aid. We talked about that last week as well, while the other one's getting... Repaired. It, it actually just got fixed. Did it? Yeah. Okay, so I actually, great. I actually have them both again. Thank goodness. Thank it's been goodness. A little couple of weeks. <laughs> but, but yeah, but in the meantime, you did use the AirPods Pro. It was pretty uh, useful for you during that time, and we heard a little bit about it before. So right now, during our deep dive part two, let's talk about maximizing our AirPods. And we're talking the drawbacks of using AirPods as hearing aids versus actual process, uh, proper hearing aids as well. What volume level, if we start there, do you find that the AirPod Pros are useful for you in your ears or comfortable? So right now, I'm, I've, if I'm wearing my hearing aids like I am now, and I have my earpods and my regular lightning-powered small earpods, uh, USB-C earpods now, they, uh, I have to have you at like 85%, 80, 85 to like 90% mm. to make sure I'm ca catching everything. That's a so, loud, yeah. Yes, and 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 when if I if I use the AirPod Pros, I can go like forty-five to sixty-five percent. And if I tried that with now with these in my ears, I I would miss stuff. I would struggle to hear stuff. You know, mm -hmm. so that's a, a massive difference, and that's a lot due to the noise cancellation, I think, and the just precision of how it directs uh -huh. sound because it seals your whole canal. So yeah, big difference there. Um, if you don't have it. You know, if you just kind of have it now where you can still hear your ambient sound around you, what do you is it? Is, what do you have it at there? Do you think what level? Well, yeah, with that, that? If, with, with the transparency mode, uh, I mm. usually have I have to crank that right up to like a hundred to because that's if you're not wearing hearing aids, you need that to you know make up for the lost hearing that you have. Right. So that for me is is helpful um, in the in the extreme, but only in in uh, controlled circumstances i would not want to cross the street with those in my ears yeah 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 i find that that would be it's nice but it still takes away where you're hearing things around you it's still yeah. not still allowing you enough stereo it's not natural hearing, hearing. Mm. It's, no it's, it's very, not that's a that's yeah. it that's the best way to say yeah. it Mike. yeah it sharpens everything yeah. right yeah. yeah, and it allows yeah. you to hear, but not for us. Oh, I'm safe to cross this street. I hear that car, and no, it's no, over no, there. No, no, no. no I'm, crossing, no. Yeah, I'm going around yeah. the corner over your toes. 
No. It, it actually yeah. it ends it's, up feeling more convoluted when you try to use it as if it's giving you binaural or positional it, audio. Uh, it makes yeah, it much like, more confusing. It, I would not want to use it in unsafe circumstances. So mm, that's yeah. the, one of the big ones with hearing aids. And they have. I hope people realize too. it, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but these, the, and these aren't designed for hearing aids either, as hearing aids. So people, there, there are a bunch of drawbacks as, as well, which we'll get to uh, a little yeah. later. But uh, yeah, lots, lots to talk about there. Okay. So let's keep going with this uh, part, though. Are there any pitfalls for people who use their AirPod Pros to compensate for hearing loss? What are the specific things you want to mention? Well, the, you know, they don't look like hearing aids. So, you know, people will look at them and think you might not, you know, they, they might think, oh, you're listening to your iPhone. They, they'll, you're tuning, trying to tune everything else out, which is exactly what you're not doing, uh, you know. Um, so that's that's one uh, problem. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, th- they don't get as uh, loud as, as hearing aids can. So if you need a lot of boost, like I crank these all the way up to 100% amplification of transparency mode, which is separate from the normal volume, the rest of the volume of stuff. So I'm bringing in the outside world as much as possible, uh, you know, and, you know, directionally, yeah, there's there's uh, lots uh, you can do, uh, you know, in terms of hearing them. But again, angles can matter more. Uh, they're designed to alert people to sounds in their environment. But, the, you know, if you're sighted, you don't need the precision. You don't need the, the stuff. So cu- uh, cutoff is another one. These things will, you know, cut off uh, if it gets too loud, too overwhelming, a car, uh, car horn honks, that's going to cause the transparency mode to duck and, and drop and cut off to protect you from loud noise, which is not what you want if you're trying to judge where it is. Right, so that is something that you really have to be mindful of uh, if you're using hearing to judge distance. So, yes. and of course, wind outdoors—you know—it's blowing across, and that uh, can overwhelm and uh, make it harder to hear. You're burning through your batteries quicker. Like hearing aids are designed to last all day reliably. These, you get six hours if you're conservative, and you get less the more you amplify things the more you use noise cancellation the more processing you use the more that burns up batteries quicker so I'm, i'd probably get four and a half five hours ops you know uh using them the way i do so uh and you can put one in the pot in the case and charge it up they they charge very quickly uh but then you're dealing with you know temporarily having one ear uh working with the other or not and switching to build up the charge, right? So right. you'd switch every 10 minutes or so, and eventually the charge of both of them are up to like 80, 90% again. You can just listen with both of them again, right? So there, there are things like that you have to think of that you don't with hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how can people adjust the transparency, transparency as well as the range of frequencies boosted by the AirPods Pro? So if you go into accessibility, Settings, accessibility, and under the hearing heading, you find headphone accommodations. Uh, sorry, audiovisual. You go into audiovisual, uh, then you go into headphone accommodations, and uh, in there, you can do a lot. You, there are settings there to adjust how things sounds uh, in the headphones themselves. But if if you go right to the end of that, those settings, there's a button called transparency mode. You push that, double tap that, and you get into an area where you can adjust the amplification. You can adjust the uh, 
there are different things like the, the amplification, the uh, brightness, darkness. So how treble, uh, what frequencies are boosted, whether it's more high frequencies you want boosted, mm. whether it's lower frequencies, darker sound. So there's that you can adjust. But again, not, it's not anywhere near as good as, as you get with an audiologist you know, and, and proper hearing aids, right? So these are helpful, but they're not, you can't precisely tune them for your exact hearing difficulties. It's a lot harder to do that. Okay. Uh, you can, if you have an audiogram uh, of your hearing, you can import that. Uh, you can also take a test to customize uh, how they sound. Uh, so there's, there's all sorts of stuff like that that you can do to sort of help optimize for your hearing. So that is, uh, is certainly helpful uh, to, to have. And, and, and you can adjust uh, conversation boost uh, so it detects you talking and it'll duck everything else. It'll pause a podcast if you're listening to it. It will duck music uh, almost down to nothing. So you'll hear the outside, you know, the person talking to you, uh, the theory goes. And it works pretty well. But it, if someone else starts talking to you, it doesn't, it doesn't cause your stuff to drop. So it's, it's keyed to your speech. So that's not quite uh, always as helpful as people think it might be. <laughs> right. So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else like uh, transparency mode customizability or other things that we can find in headphone accommodations? Well, there's things like you can, uh, the, there's, yeah, the boosting uh, of the conversation. There's, you can adjust amp ambient noise. You can reduce ambient noise if you just want to focus on like speech, for example, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Uh, so you can really fine tune, uh, you know, that, you know, how much is brought in and what is, is, focused on what is brought in um so uh, but if of course if you're using these as compensating for hearing loss you typically want everything you want the, the full environment you don't want to miss like a, a you know a, a knock at the door uh, because you're trying to focus more on just conversation right so mm. you always have to think uh, the more automation the more chance that it's making decisions that you don't want right as someone who's trying to hear um so that's the thing to keep in mind with this and but there there are a lot of these little customizations that you can do and uh that that's i was i was very happy to see that but primarily for me it's the amplification uh you know crank that up right all the way so that it brings in as much sound as possible uh around me in the apartment that's been in, incredibly useful this past couple of weeks is this has this always been available, Mike? Do you know, or did they put this in here with the newest changes to iOS? Well, the transparency mode has been available since uh, version one, and I think most of these yeah. this stuff has been. But like since the, the tweaking the of Pros. the settings. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. In the headphone accommodations. If you have the AirPod Mos, uh, Pros uh, in there, then all of a sudden that that transparency mode button will be there, right. and you will be able to treat that. And then you can set with the noise control uh, buttons, you can set, you know, which ones you cycle through when you uh, squeeze and hold the uh, AirPod, the stems, right? Mm. So, yeah, it, it's very, very useful when you get it all optimized. Uh, you, you can, it's it's a lot better than nothing. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and, and for, for people, like, it's it would be impossible to afford a backup set of hearing aids for disasters like I had when one stopped working. Right. Um, so this is at least a stopgap. You know, it, the, and the other drawback too is they will fall out of your ears if you're not careful. There are cords you can get. I have to get one that I can hang around my neck and make sure that they don't drop. Because if this, if you know, in a quiet room like here, yeah, I could hear the sound. You can use the Find My app. You can get to play a sound. 
you can localize that sound, find your AirPod. But in the laundry room of my apartment building, if even one of those washers is going, I you wouldn't can't. have a prayer. Mm. Of, you know, so that's the kind of thing, right? That you have to think about when is it is it safe to use these? Um, yeah, I and, find and it where. horrible when you drop them. Yep. And and I yeah. love this way that you go through it. And like you said, the cycling through. So in your mind how, and what we know, how much can transparency mode, transparency mode be customized? Yeah, it, it is uh, very, you can uh, change the, uh, the, the tonality, the, the volume of it, uh, what it focuses on. So there's a lot there. It's just not ever going to be quite as good as as hearing aids for that purpose because these things are designed to let normal people with normal hearing, you know, they, they, they're designed to protect that hearing, right? So the decisions are always about, you know, let's not let it get too loud because it could, you know, damage the person's hearing and then we might get sued. So let's limit that mm. a little bit and let's make sure, you know, if the, so there's... There's that sort of thing in the cutoff I was talking about earlier, where you'd, you'd suddenly the car that that honked would blank out, you know, cause it to uh, drop in volume, and you'd lose the sense of where that car was in relation to you, right? Because of the loud noise. So that sort of thing. And there's no way to shut off that cutoff. You can actually get your audiologist to cut uh, to to disable that feature, so you won't experience that with hearing aids if you know about it, of course. Um, <laughs> but and luckily I did, but with this, you can't, there's, there's not that I can find anywhere. Not, nothing that you can say, don't, don't drop sound suddenly like that. <laughs> yeah. It's something that so. they've made an executive decision on being useful yeah. or helpful. Right. Uh, there's also, we're, we've run out of time, but I did want to note that there is also personal spatial audio and that may be somewhat helpful for people, but for you, you haven't succeeded yet in customizing it to the best of your, uh, you know yeah you, you have to get the camera scan to get a perfect mm. scan of your face and that is proving very tricky for me to do right right uh but in theory it would be even more helpful than the stereo spatial audio that is activatable you can you can turn that on with the yeah. volume control and spatial audio so, comes with its own kind of glitches if you will uh also yeah because you put your yeah. phone down and then it thinks that you're tracking it based on the position of your phone and i'm not I'm, yeah. you know Moves running around, around doing other things yeah there is a setting you can toggle to change that to change so that nice on the phone yeah perfect yeah all right mike we're gonna go and we'll catch you next week absolutely we'll see you then Mike Fair joining us for audio entertainment and tech. And when we talk AirPods, we're, of course, covering both sides of that coin. We're going to take a break and come back with Fern Lellon. Um, oh, before that, you can get second-gen AirPod Pros from Apple. So there is where you go. So after the break, we're checking in with Fern Lellon, talking about all the light we cannot see. This is a new miniseries on Netflix. She was the voice for audio description on that miniseries. So we'll chat more about that experience with her. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Uh-oh. I think we're making up rumors again. You think there's a oh, missing chair at AMI? A chair that was supposed no, to be no, mine? No, 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 no. Let's be, let's be exact. I'm like, I tell you, stolen? gossip... Gossip's only good if it's accurate. And? The chair that is supposed to be getting to you for that space right there in the main studio, uh -huh. I think has arrived, I think is Allegedly. being examined by someone else and said, hmm, this is a nice chair. Allegedly. Let's find a replacement other chair that exists here for Rumya. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's the rumor you were cooking up over there. Cooking up? I think we Based all know Based on just that. a thought of mine. 
<laughs> Based I on heard the it was already in the facility. Rumors that may have started through Kelly McDonald. Uh, no, now, no, 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 no. You can't say that. You can't do I, that. If this is allegedly true, then we'd like our chair back, but I don't think I'll it is. I'll be right back. I'm here. sorry. I got to pick up this chair that just arrived at my <laughs> yeah, uh, unit. It got sent yeah. to London. Wrong address. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm just uh, uh, still waiting for my chair is all. That's, that's well, what Well, you know where else it could be? It could have been sent to the UK. Maybe. Maybe. You know, I mean, we'll we've got to keep out. good support for our contributors. That's great. That's as crazy as you talking about the sun earlier in the show and mm -hmm. then going to Sundays. I know. So wow, good. Wow. Awesome. Anyway, folks, let's welcome in Fern Lullum from the UK for our bi-weekly check-in. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. So, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say that when you run a program like we do, and we're so honoured by what things our contributors get into, once, just another rumor forming, by the way, Rum, I'm just, just trying to give you a heads up. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes what happens is things happen that are really big. <laughs> People suddenly, funny enough, don't have time to come on our show anymore. They, they <sighs> get a life or something. And, and it can happen. Um, folks, we're talking today about the new Netflix miniseries, All the Light We Cannot See. Fern Lullum, welcome back. Hello. Don't worry, I haven't got a life. I'm still <laughs> more than happy to be on your show. And with you jokes and glad links we are to like hear you that. just did, I mean, I can see why you're on the radio. Mm. I was going to say, or you can see how come we lose people. It's not they get a better opportunity, <laughs> they just get insulted and leave. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but, you know. <laughs> you wanted into something positive, Fern. <laughs> yes. Practicing what oh, we Oh, my preach. gosh. Good. Fern, where are we going today? We are going to be talking, as you mentioned there, about all the light we cannot see. Yes, we are indeed. It's a very exciting mini-series that has been recently released on Netflix. And it's exciting because the leading lady herself is a very talented blind lady. And the audio description was done by another very well-loved blind lady as well. I'll mm. tell you more about her in a bit. Okay. Mm. I hear the lineup. You hear it? Like the lineup of people <laughs> signing her to do more work. I may have already oh, spoiled well, it for people, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, well, she, she, you know, the fact is we'll get into that a little later on uh, as we get onto that subject later on. Firstly, tell us a little bit about the story without giving away any spoilers, please, because everyone's going to go watch it. Absolutely. I should think so, too. The story, basically, it revolves around a young, kind of a teenage uh, girl in France, in Nazi-occupied France, the Second World War, and her name is Marie, and she is a blind young lady. And it also, the other main character of this series is a German soldier, young German man called Werner, and it's basically about how their two worlds collide because Marie and her family are working with the French resistance. Werner has been employed as a soldier to find he's very good with radio technology. So he has been, his task basically is to find and track down anyone who is working for the French resistance using the radio. And you can imagine that's how they come together. Mm. Oh, yeah. And like as a book, this has so much wonderful reputation behind it as well. So the person who plays Marie, uh, Aria Mia Loberty, is blind. And I'm very curious about how the casting went about to find her. 
Yeah, so amazing, really. Um, they put out a casting call, as you can imagine, for actresses and particularly blind actresses who would like to step up and do this role. And you didn't have to necessarily have any experience. So it was basically, you know, they put it out just to, to anyone, really, not just to actresses. And as you can imagine, the response was huge because who doesn't want to be in a Netflix miniseries? Mm. So... Aria, um, at the time, she was not an actress. It just so happened. And funnily enough, she didn't really have any aspirations to become an actress. She had done a bit of kind of like funny messing about like you do with your family at home when she was young. But she'd never thought that acting would ever really be for her. But when she heard about this, she heard about it from her um, mobility instructor. And she sort of thought at the time, well... I'm not going to go for this, but it would be really nice if a blind person actually got this because, you know, it'd be authentic and representation and all of that. So she said, no, you know, don't be silly. I'm not going to go for it. The next day, her orientation and mobility instructor asked her again, just said, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to go for this? Because, you know, you, you could do it. <laughs> um, and she said no again. But then later, you know how it is. You're sort of thinking about it. You start thinking about it. And she thought, do you know what? What have I got to lose? I might as well just send in an audition and see what happens. And there you go. The rest is history. She got the part. Wow. 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 And it got such rave reviews in Toronto at the film festival. Absolutely tremendous. And Fedora's off to the production team for being persistent. And the little bit I've, I've that I know of out there and, and film stuff that I, I've been involved in over the last few years, um, talking to people, there is such a move to try to, to make that attempt. And I think more people writing and producing are finding it a bit easier to find people and saying, how can we do this, even though we know there's a little lacking in experience out there, not an interest to be an actor, and I'm sure her life has changed so much for it. Um, are there any particular parts in the movie, in the series that, that had themes that really resonated with you? Yeah, definitely. There is so much hope within the series. And, you know, obviously it's very serious, a lot of it, because it is about the war. But there are some amazing themes. I just want to say, you know, even just that, the story of her getting that part, um, Aria, just goes to show that, you know, go for things, because you just never know. Even when you think, no, this could never happen, you just never know. It might happen to you. So I think one of my favourite themes from the series, and also in the book, is Marie's relationship with her dad, because that's quite a, a sort of a major theme. Towards the beginning of the book, we see her growing up and her dad. And, and you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of parents with blind children who wonder, you know, what do I do? How can I be a good parent? I want to support them, yes. but equally I don't want to hold them back. And what um, Marie's dad does is he makes her a model of the city where they're living in so that she can feel all of the streets and all of the little places and, and find her way around with her fingers so that when she goes outside, she knows she's kind of mentally mapped it in her mind right. as to right. where she's going. And what I love about that is that it's this gorgeous blend of... I am going to help you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to, you know, make something that's going to help you to figure this out, but I'm not going to do it for you. I'm then going to send you out into the world and have that faith and trust in you that you can then be independent and go off and do your own thing. And I think that's just lovely. Mm. Now that you're out, I'll just lock the door. Oh, I'm sorry. For I'm mixing sure. them up with Ramya's mom. 
<laughs> That's what my parents do too, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I started to feel so connected to Marie. So it's wonderful to see blind representation in such a popular, well-known, well-received series, Fern. How do you think that this can help uh, just overall with, I don't know, reputation for the community, maybe just like some healing for the community even? There's so much that comes with this. It goes so deep. Absolutely. Well, for one, like I said, about the hope, you know, to actually see somebody doing this and to think, because I know when I was growing up, I thought, well, what will it be possible for me to do? Even if I believe that I can do something, will other people? And so to have this now where blind people growing up or, or you know, blind people in general can look at this actress and say, oh, this is achievable, you know, this is in my reach now. And I think more generally for everyone, sighted or otherwise, just to sort of say, these are breaking down some barriers. This is education. And it's breaking down this fear that if you have a disability or if you become disabled, you can no longer do what you want to do. You know, mm. disability kills your dreams. That's not necessarily true, as we all know. And it's really good to highlight that and to just say, look, let's look at this differently. And I know for Aria, one of the things she said is that it was nice to portray a blind character, not in a really stereotypical way, you know, because mm -hmm. quite often in the media, we see all of these misconceptions, you know, blind people kind of like feeling their way around, crawling around on the floor, you know, all that sort of thing. And just to see somebody <laughs> who actually just looks like another person, like all of us do, you know, in the disabled community, it doesn't have to be this kind of over the top stereotype. It can just be a person and to kind of break those stereotypes down yeah. just by showing somebody the reality. Right. Like not the well, superhero and not the super disabled, but also oh. the barriers are still looked at. Right. Like you talked about uh, even groundbreaking things that her father was doing for the character mm. that is still addressed. Mm -hmm. And they're looking yeah, at it right now saying, look at us saying, hey, look at those fools. I can do that. Mm. <laughs> Can't we yeah. well, yeah. And I think one of the things that you're saying here too, Fern, that I, I really think is a wonderful, wonderful thing about it is we talk about the individual, how empowering. We talk about the family members that say, I guess my kid isn't made of glass. I shouldn't be so afraid. But we're also seeing that hope that, hey, man, there's other opportunities out there, including, you know, whether it's an actor, whether it's a singer, or even let's oh, talk a little bit about the audio description here with this. I mean, who's this uh, blind narrator? A anybody we might possibly beloved know. lady, yeah. Oh, well, you know, she is so well loved in the blind community. In fact... She's your bestie, your bestie from the UK. It was me. Can you believe? I know you're completely shocked by that. I had a feeling. Congratulations, Fern. Oh, my goodness. Even on Twitter, getting interviewed and everything through, I believe that was the Q&A at the actual London, England showing, right? The debut. That That's that right. Was? I had to get up on the stage. Nearly fell off the stage at one point, but I survived. It's all right. Yeah, no, it was okay. amazing. Stage is our best friend. Oh, <laughs> oh I know. Seriously? Oof. Well, and, it, and actually, it was my sighted guide that sort of said, oh, move, just move a little bit to your right. And she went, oh, no, not like that. Not, oh. not that perfect. Don't fall off. But oh, it was God. all right. That was just in the practice run. So, you know, that's why you should oh, have Oh, thank gosh. Run. That's why we have dress rehearsals, yep. to practice yeah, exactly. not imagine, falling off stage. Okay. If you <laughs> fell off, could you imagine how mean she would have looked? Oh, that's mm. awful to do that. <laughs> oh, that poor girl. Yeah, it's all hurtful. Yeah. Um, how was it? How was the process? How did you get involved? What was it like actually recording the AD? 
It was a whirlwind of a process. I got contacted by IDC, um, who did the uh, audio description and, you know, amazing writers, wonderful director. And I worked with Josh, my other half. He is possibly the most patient man in production, uh, sat there with me while I did all of the lines and he placed them all in the right time codes. Some of them, you know, were quicker than others. And, you know, we had to do a bit of fiddling around and making sure it all worked to time. But it was just such a special project to be involved in because I could connect so much to what I was talking about, you know, and what the, the story was happening. And so it just really is a, a career highlight, I think, for me. I'll always look back on this one and think, yeah, that was great. Did you? Yeah. Um, and, and definitely hours and hours, I'm sure, yeah. really doing yes. it too. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fern, did you read the book or know the story before you started the AD script? No, I didn't. And I feel very ashamed. And I must go and read the book. I know it's very, very long, but mm. I think it, I've heard from a lot of people that it's very, very good. So yeah, Same. I need to do yeah. that. That is amazing, Fern. I think that's great. Really quick, Fern, do you think audio description is progressing in quantity, quality? Uh, and what would your, you know, what would be your message to audio providers to make it better? Mm. Well, I think the quantity is still quite low, but it is so important to get the quality as well, because of course we could just have, you know, robotic voices and AI doing it all for us. But why would you want that when you could have someone like me uh, chatting to you on, on your audio description? Um, a message to the providers, aside from just, you know, I'm available if you need me. <laughs> um, uh, the other <laughs> message would be connect with your audience, ask blind and visually impaired people their opinions, because it's so important to have real inclusion, not just the inclusion of giving audio description, but the inclusion of having blind and visually impaired people actually in the process yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope the interviews keep coming your way, keep informing people so that we keep getting more wonderful audio description and opportunities for those in it, but also getting that chance to put to work and hear the real story and the passion behind someone, especially in this case, who could relate to that. Fern, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Have a great show. Thank you. Fern Lullum joins us every other Thursday opposite What in the World. So we got private grocery stores in Cuba, and apparently they're thriving, but only a few people can afford them. So I'm not sure why they exist at all, but we'll learn more about That's it. That's why they're private. On the Buzz with Bill Shackleton after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. You know when you uh, are watching some kind of TV show, especially if it's a binge situation, there's just seasons and seasons and seasons of it. Every day you're taking in so much of the show. You start thinking of uh, parts of real life as elements of the TV show. You know what I'm talking about, Kels? Does this happen to you often? Or book, oh, I sorry, guess, too. I'm just too. adjusting in my new chair here. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure, if, I know what you're talking about. Or if it's a book. You know, you spend hours on a book every single day. It's a long one. And then real life starts feeling like a book. I've be notoriously been like this my You ever life. get mixed up because you think you've been experienced or know someone, you hear a name, and it's because you and read you think it's, a book? Yeah. So I think I know that person. But no, no, you don't. They're a character it was a in a character. book. Or you start Calm comparing down. everybody in real life to the characters in the book. Ooh. Hey, that person's a Fred from the book. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely a George. You know, whatever it might be, right? And I am not very subtle either, so it starts to really show. Why are you acting like Al Capone? Smarten up. <laughs> I've never been good at separating real life from the <laughs> content and entertainment that I binge with. But anyways, 
That's all. And I know this because then you'll go on about it in real life. It comes on the show. Everything. Like, oh. And people could just sit there. Gee, I bet Ramya's watching Game of Thrones. Such an open book. She's back binging it again. Exactly, Uh exactly. Back on Gilmore Girls, by the way, in case you were wondering. Let's uh, talk to Bill Shackleton. Yeah, you're surprised I'm revisiting shows. He's all over Gilmore Girls, too, on his uh, calling him up on his streaming platform. Right, Billy? You never watched Gilmore Girls, did you? Um, No, no. I don't don't even ask, Rob. Don't say, what do you think it's about? Don't even get into it. It's about, it's about the, 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 are they the cheerleaders from the Toronto Argonauts? I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Not at all, okay? I thought he was just going to say, isn't it all about the Gilmore Girls? (laughs) Anyways, we're not going to get into what Gilmore Girls is, but no, we definitely know it's not that. Billy, you join us for the buzz. End of the first hour, we have the buzz. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Now, yesterday we only got to two articles. I wonder how many we'll get to now that we talked about Gilmore Girls for five minutes. Uh, where do you want to start? Hold it, hold it. I thought you guys got the... Th- oh, no, that was that was with Beth you got the three. Yeah. Right? When did you guys get the three recently? I don't know, last week. It's been yeah. a while. No, no, it was when somebody else was on the show other than me. It was oh. when Hardy and you were oh, here. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we, we never get the three. There's no way we do. Grant we do stupid is... stuff like we're doing now. Yeah. Grant's efficient. Grant's very, very efficient. Grant and I he together doesn't waste are very up efficient. All that. He doesn't waste. Grant's very efficient. He doesn't waste all and that airtime. Together. And he keeps you under control. All right, Bill. Billy, go ahead, Where sir. Where are you going? Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk about Cuban grocery stores. Cuban grocery stores thrive but only a few people can afford them. So recently the space was a one-car garage um, in a private home. Today, um, it's a small grocery store, albeit, you know, carrying limited things, um, cocoa butter, Cheerios, Nutella. Um, But it's one of thousands of grocery stores that have popped up in, you know, in Cuba's, Habana, and the problem, you were asking, um, why are they there? Well, they're there because the government um, is trying to encourage free enterprise in Cuba. So what they've been, I mean, as you probably know, up until recently, they've been driving around in cars that were made in the 1950s and 60s. And I mean, I know they were driving cars that they were, you know, old Studebakers and things like this because... Some you nice know, ones, yeah, though, Billy, because yeah, they didn't oh, yeah, deteriorate. Really, yeah, yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but what we have in Cuba is the government is trying to encourage free enterprise. And the, the, the problem is that there's very little regulation. So, I mean, here you are, you know, they need the West. And these stores, nobody can afford them. Um, they are... I mean, the average Cuban doctor makes $28 a month. And, oh. like, basically, the only people that can afford these stores are people that are tourists and maybe politicians and maybe the very rich. Mm. Um, and there's probably too many of the stores yeah. trying to make a go at this time yeah, before they all right. get choked off because there's too many. Um, because yeah. so much other stuff is provided. It's kind of, kind of like... You know, we'd have this conversation with Tom Decker, um, who you know, before he passed away, uh, about Cuba. A big fan of going to Cuba and and the environment and everything like that. And he would talk about the government and how things were and how people in a lot of positions didn't want for things. It may not have been thriving in the sense of you had more than you needed, but you you survived and things. 
So I see that you're kind of saying, okay, you can run some business, make some extra money, mm. but the, the, the potential customers aren't going to have the money to help you make that extra money. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about this is a lot of the goods are imported by private people. So like that's so why they're so like, expensive. That's yeah. why they're so expensive. Right. They're not made in Cuba. They're imported. Yeah. And those things are going to be ex expensive because of the nature of whether they're worth it or not. That's just the way it is. It's interesting yeah. because it seems like it could be a very good solution. Right, like it obviously it's it could be. yeah, it's targeting for, for an the issue. tourists. If you're targeting the tourists, which um, there's a mm. lot of Canadians you know, yeah. that go there. If you're going, if they're stopping in and buying, it definitely could be if you're in the right place. But it's not like tourists aren't the ones that have the problem, right? It's the general population of the country and of these neighborhoods and and towns and cities, I guess, that are uh, struggling. So the visibility, as they say in this article, of these kind of shops just popping up everywhere and making it easy for people to kind of, I don't know, trade or purchase and, and do it this way feels like a good could be good for the population, but how is it going to be if uh, all the stuff is imported, then you have these massive right. market prices? Uh, like that only the tourists coming will yeah, buy if exactly. you're in the right location. So it's not solving the problem. It's not solving the problem well, that they, they could I, I be solving. I don't know if there, and I don't know if there's necessarily a problem. If the government just seems like they're saying, we, you know, hey, you want to have some free enterprise? Do this. But it's a, yeah. it's not like it's. Is it just greed then? Like, it, you know, when we shift It's almost from like. What we know. It almost sounds to me like a, hey, you want to make your own money? Here, do this. And this is something they know they can get because somebody shows up and says, hey, if I sell you a bunch of things, feel free to sell them in, my, in, in your store mm. at the price you want. I want this for them. People think it's a good idea as opposed to needing a skill such as car repair or, right. or electronics or something like that. So it's easy to sell stuff, but you still have to buy the stuff and you have to be in the right location. Yeah, it's and with. Well, and also with not having any real restrictions, you can run one out of your garage and not worry about the yeah, cockroaches or whatever yeah. else. I guess I I'm think just thinking the problem is poverty, like in a very convoluted, you know, woven oh, I, way. I agree. And I agree yeah. entirely. They, nobody can. I yeah. think the government, what it has to do is get in there and create laws around these things. And, and that's the only way exactly. I think it's going to work. Yeah, it can't and just local. be them. It has yeah. to be local because you've got to bring in from your community, right. buy from Rumya to sell to Bill without saying, well, no, I'm going to buy from Fern out there in the UK and bring it here and sell it to you at enormous price. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah. We know from obvious examples around the world, historically and presently, that the hands-off approach from governments in countries like this, in environments like this, is not ideal. Like, it, it won't work, mm -hmm. right? So just because no. the government says, okay, all right, we're uh, taking off, you know, you deal with this, that doesn't make anything better. That does mean that there's a different approach on the horizon, but we don't know if that approach is better, and clearly in this case it's not. Not for we don't many know that of the they're population. Not, they're, that they're, well, we don't know that they're not just answering a bell of people wanting mm. to be able to have an extra a side gig because that's what the rest of the world or lots of other parts do. So this may be their way of, okay, exactly. we will allow you to go out and sell products 
and do that. But you're in a market where the, the customer basis can't afford it. Exactly. And again, the government might say, may say, well, this isn't really a problem. We provide so much for you. But if you feel the need to have something to do to make an extra, you know, few cents, do it. But <laughs> do it's it, but good luck. with an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Have fun. Bring all your stuff in and it's too expensive. Yeah. And, it's basically and just luck. a shift of power. Now the people who are rich or who can afford to, because as, as the headline says, are the ones holding the power around yeah. these things. And it doesn't sound like there's enough of them by far when you're talking a doctor's pay $28 mm -hmm. a month. Well, you know, when our bags of chips and stuff like that, you know, yeah. are $253. Oh, yeah. Geez, that's a quarter of a month of Brutal. his pay. They're saying like the doctors um, and teachers who make the most can't yeah. afford any of it anyway. No so like way. who's actually supposed to. All right, Billy. All right. Let's get to this other one. It's, it's a more cheerful story. Thanksgiving grandma, grandmother, um, teams up with Airbnb to welcome strangers for the holidays. So nice. an Air as yeah, an Arizona woman who shared her Thanksgiving table seven years ago um is welcoming strangers into her home. And it's it's kind of an interesting story. She was trying to text her grandmother and basically she she didn't know that her grandmother <laughs> had moved, had changed his phone number. So, he, he, yeah, so she texted um, a, a gentleman, and he said, sure, I'd, I would love to come for Christmas. So they fo this forged this bond um, <laughs> in 2000, yeah, 2016, and is going strong. Um, so now she wants to expand that so that you can go and 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 for sixteen dollars, you have to travel yourself. But basically, and I don't know how uh, the, the, how many people are they're going to be allowing. But Airbnb is going to make a donation to Feed America, so you can get down there if you book. I believe it's November, sometime in November twentieth. I believe they're doing this, and you can the, the dinner is going to be typical Thanksgiving: pumpkin pie, turkey. The entertainment is going to be selfies, watching movies, and this type of thing. But it's amazing how this really got going um, nice. because of one, you know, uh, thanks to a wrong number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ron yeah. Air. One Air. Yeah. The yeah. One Air Airbnb. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. This is that's quite right. the story. It uh, is. Yeah. I mean, I think. What did they do? You have to just sign up through Airbnb, yeah, pay sixteen so. bucks to yeah. show up and hang out with yeah. these people and make yeah. friends. Yeah. Wow. I believe that's how. What it seems the to me that's what dinner. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love Let's it. Go pumpkin pie. Um, yeah. I know that there are a lot of like Airbnb opportunities already where you can make friends, right? So it's not just. I know that you can have a lot of private experiences with Airbnb. You know, rent entire homes where you're not seeing the host at all. They're so hands off, like you don't even need them to check in. But then there are other ones where you can enjoy a guest house and the hosts are fully involved with your stay. Like they'll hang out with you at the fire pit. They will be the ones to help you cook or provide meals for you. And I find even that to be very strange or like, you know, Billy loves so it. willing to. Billy yeah. loves that. Don't you Bill? the, the Oh yeah. You know, the, yeah, the Florida like beach party on Miami beach. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like an, an in situation, I guess, versus like a hotel impersonal.
Right, Bill. Oh, it'd be bad if you get there and they start making you serve them and everything. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm glad you're here, guys. Bill, run this out. With an ulterior motive? That's savage. Yep. Billy, we got to go. There you Talk go. to you tomorrow. All right. Bye, Bill Shackleton. Bill will be back tomorrow for the last Buzz with Bill of the week, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, to wrap up the first hour. In the second hour, we have on Thursdays a weekly roundtable. Today's guest is Mark Phoenix. He returns often. Also, the issue of air travels for persons with disabilities has received some attention lately in Edmonton. We're going to talk more about it with Mark Workman, our community reporter. But up next, let's find out how to make the perfect cookie with Chef Mary Mammoliti of KitchenConfession.com. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We're back. We're kicking off the second hour of Kelly and Rumia. And both Kelly and Rumia are here today. Can you imagine that? We almost thought rare. it was the first time of the week. But it's you were rare. here I Monday. I thought this was... I was, eh? You were here Monday, yeah. God. Hey, this is Thursday. That means there's a round table. Yeah. You had to be Did here. Did you say that off the top? Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> well, you thank the guys for getting everything sorted out so the technical aspects oh, allowed me Oh, let's not jinx it. Come on. Today. Let's hear. I'm knocking on wood. I hope you are too. Pardon? I can't hear you anymore. Where'd uh, you go? Does this even oh. count as wood? Anyway, um, we, <laughs> we on Thursday. The table, the whole table in front of you is wood. <laughs> Particle board. But I've wood. taken some parts home just to double check. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, on Thursdays to kick off the second hour. We get together with Mary Mamalee of kitchenconfession.com. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mammoliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, we love it when you join us because every week there's something to look forward to in the world of food. And you're back to spice up our baking escapades today. My goodness. This time we're talking cookies okay so the perfect cookie is what we want to do what we want to get to how we want to learn uh the perfect balance in every cookie we bake what made you want to do this okay so i mean <laughs> it's no secret that i've always said that i'm a cook who bakes it's just to satisfy my sweet tooth so with every recipe that i create i'm always looking for ways it's to level up the flavors, level mm. up the textures, right? And that's basically what started this deep dive into the perfect cookie because I wanted to level up some of the classic cookie recipes that I have. Um, and I just, I couldn't stop. It's great because now you're speaking to the spectrum of people. Like uh, some of us already bake really good cookies. Some of us bake cookies once a year. Some of us just toss anything into a cookie and hope for the best. There's, you know, all kinds of cookie baking out there. So you want to begin with sugar, can you mix different sugars and what happens when you do mix different sugars in baking? You can, okay, so you can mix sugars. And I do wanna mention, cause you tapped into something, everyone's got great cookies. Everyone bakes amazing cookies. Mm. These are just some great ways to kind of switch it up and add a little new flavoring or a little new texture to it, to maybe one of your older recipes. So when we think of baking, you know, most will reach for the granulated sugar, which is that white sugar. So. By mixing different sugars, it'll add 
a depth of flavor to your cookies, right? So it helps give it the perfect crunch, the perfect chew by mixing the sugars. So here's why. When you mix or you whip a little, you know, a little white sugar with some butter together, it aerates it and it builds volume. So it results in that thick and puffy kind of cookie. The molasses and the brown sugar, it actually helps it helps to prevent that cookie from drying out, right? Because it's more dense, it's got, it's more dense sugar. And generally, it makes baked goods a little softer and it's got this little caramel flavoring to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I closed my eyes when I said caramel because I can definitely taste it. I love yeah. that little hint of caramel to it. It just, it, it already transported me to another place. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my East right? Coast and, mommy used to do that. Added, a, like, add molasses to things because that's it was so big back Absolutely. Home. Yeah, absolutely, because it adds that. And because there's the molasses and the brown sugar, mixing the two sugars, it works beautifully. I mean, I want you to try this out. Try making maybe some chewy brown um, sugar cookies, or if you have your favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe, customize it, right? At, mix the sugars, get a little brown sugar, a little white sugar. Mm. It depends on your personal preference. Mix that up, give it a shot next time you bake them. And uh, one another little extra tip with the chocolate chip cookies, this is what I do. I actually mix my chocolate chips. So I actually get little mini chocolate chips, chocolate chip, chocolate chunks, yeah. uh, oh, dark chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mix it all together and that's how I mm. add them to my cookies. Yeah, it, because it, it that's my thought. Extra. Right. My thought is more, more chocolate to the chocolate chip is good. Like, you know, like maybe it's a chocolate mashed chip cookie uh, that, that, that you get. And I, I like that idea. So uh, then, uh, One second. When we mix <laughs> different sugars... Do we have yes. to worry about ratios, Mary? Because this is the other thing. Like when you go completely mm -hmm. substitute white sugar for other sugars, they will say, you know, That's like one thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Use uh, half of this amount, or you know, be warned right. that dot 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 because of consistency, or like mm. is that what you call it? Consistency of the Especially temperature, right? Too yeah. right. So what happens when we're actually just mixing? Like if it calls for so, a, a cup of white sugar yeah. and we're like, no, I want to add some brown sugar or molasses to this. What happens? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you're talking about adding brown sugar in, if it calls for, if the recipe calls for two cups of uh, sugar, granulated sugar, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I would start by taking out half. Do one and a half of the granulated sugar, do a half of brown sugar. Got it. And then start that way. And then it all depends on your personal preference on what you like and how chewy you mm. like the cookie. We can't right. so we definitely quite start experimental. that experimental. Okay. Yeah, and, and I it's think a that's fun. the great thing with cookies, cookies, right, Mayor? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that's that's what's fun about time. them is because, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool, uh, Mayor. <laughs> let's talk about flour options, okay? And combinations can we use to maybe get the cookies to puff up a little more? I don't mean replace it with air. I just mean puffier. Not like the Mookie we made years oh ago. Oh my no, gosh! Thank goodness. I know what we did that didn't time. Float. We're so yeah. professional. We made a cookie into a muffin. Like, come on. We did, Luckily and I know what we did away. last time. <laughs> I know what we did wrong. All three of us did it, <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll mention it shortly. But for this, when it comes to flour, typically we all use or we use all-purpose flour when we're baking cookies. But if you want a a, a slightly puffier texture, use a mix of bread flour an all-purpose flour. Now, it won't give you a cake-like texture, but it will give you some height to your cookies. So that's a great way to switch it up. And then you could also substitute in a little almond flour. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky, right? So to add a little subtle almond flavoring, you could add a little almond flour. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my voice again. Those are the gods saying, Mary, stop talking. Um, 
Or <laughs> drinking coffee, Mayor. It's the coffee drinking. That's what I blame it on. It's the coffee. All week it's been going in and out. <laughs> and they're really you sound like you're an AM radio. Way too much. No. <laughs> just, just get this cookie convo out of the way and then you can stop. Yeah, this is the rummy. I don't That's care what happens afterward, but I, yeah. I need all these notes covered. Please. <laughs> So almond flour. So you want to add the almond flour because it adds a little bit, a little subtle almond flavoring to it, right? But then, what I would do is I want to mention. So when you are substituting, so all-purpose flour, almond flour, they are interchangeable. However, it's important to note that wheat flour it's a little more dry. Almond flour is a little more moist. I want to say. And it doesn't yes. have like, it's a little wet. It's like a little wet, a little more dense. It doesn't have quite the same. Is that the oil, qualities. I guess, that would be in it? Kind of the, maybe from that's the a nut. bit of the residual. Yeah. 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 From the nut. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have quite the same binding qualities. So if you're using almond flour, it may require a little more egg, egg to bind the flour. Now you think this uh, is kind of yes. intuitive because, right? So you add the egg just to bind the flour together and then substitute so let's say it's call it calls for the recipe calls for one cup um all-purpose flour substituted for almond same thing so one to one but mm -hmm. be prepared to add a little more almond flour as you go because you are going to have to compensate uh, because it is right. going to be a, a wetter batter yeah is that yeah. a word right. Wetter, right. wetter batter more yeah. wet yes yeah, more wet yeah, wetter it's a wetter batter <laughs> It's a wetter. That's W-E-D-D-E-R. Yeah, no. Well, if, yeah, exactly. If, if you've made things like I've made, uh, you know, you've mentioned this in the past past to the uh, fathead pizza doughs yeah. and such where you're just using almond flour. If you've worked yep. with it before, you know what you're kind of looking for to make the dough texture what you need it to be or the exactly. batter. Um, but it, it may take a bit more experimenting. Like a couple batches of it cookies. It may take experimenting. Yeah, it'll give you, <laughs> it may take a little more experimenting or just look for a recipe that has the combined fair. Yeah, fat head, yeah. pizza dough, Definitely. so good. Yeah, that's what it's called. Wow. I know, it's delicious. That's though. insulting. Okay, I don't know that that's one. That's not insulting when you head. try it. I'll so go out on the street later and say, hey, any fat heads? <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't name it. Okay, let's talk about baking soda <laughs> or baking powder. What do we need to keep in mind? Okay, so cookie cookies. Cookies, we're talking about cookies is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Cookies, they usually rise best uh, with good old fashioned baking soda, honestly. Some recipes, they throw in baking powder, but that tends to give you more of a cake vibe than a classic chewy cookie feel. So that's what we did when we mm -hmm. made the Mookie. Mm -hmm. oh, we actually right, put right. in yes. baking powder. Yes, yeah. so we we mixed up the baking soda oh, it baking really powder. rose. <laughs> It really did, but they were delicious. They were so good. So even if that does happen, they are still going to be delicious. Um, my advice, honestly, stick with the baking soda. It gives you that perfect okay. cookie texture every time. Yeah. All right. Now I hear people get all worked up about this one because I often say, oh, geez, I like margarine. And you set some of the oh, butter God. people nuts. Uh, butter or margarine? This is this is always ever, ever a conversation that goes on forever. Um, for that classic cookie flavor. Nothing beats good old-fashioned butter because it delivers butter. that silkiness, that indulgent taste that you like in those cookies. Yet, honestly, it all boils down to personal taste, personal preference. preference. Some cooks, right. they swear by, right, that softer touch of the margarine. Butter. Honestly, if all you've got is margarine, don't worry. The recipes should still work out. Are you yeah. sure? 
butter. Yeah, they oh, should. Right. They should. They should. Yeah. Um, you hear that? She doesn't use it. She doesn't use it, but she. Oh, yeah, she's just saying you should. She's keeping her fingers crossed. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, and good that, luck you better you. be nice, Mary. You'll, you'll condemn yourself to her. I'm just saying, go. like, margarine is just like a very soft, malleable thing. Butter. Can't you just use softened butter, which is what the recipes usually call for anyway? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I say it should work, because it's like using softened yeah. butter. So many recipes, they call for butter at room temperature. Honestly, I get asked this all the time if it is necessary to to bring your, your butter to room temperature. And I always say yes. Because softened butter, it makes it so much easier. It mixes best with dry ingredients. Oh, yeah. It's so much yeah. easier. It blends well and melts yeah. together. Right. And then if you want to take that cookie and you want to get a little more chewier and you want to give it that little gabidus too, which is so good, you know, like that soft center, melt the butter. Exactly. Melt the butter before you mix yeah. it in. I do that anyway because right. I never remember to soften my butter. Oof. <laughs> So you're always using melted butter. Sorry, cookies are so amazing, yeah? Okay, one more thing. This is another thing that I always wonder about. Do we have to bring eggs to room temperature when you're baking cookies? You should. You should, because egg, egg whites at room temperature, they'll give you more volume to your cookie dough. Take the eggs. Take the eggs out of the refrigerator an hour or so before you start baking. It also helps the eggs, again, melt smoothly into the dough when you're baking. Okay, Delicious. Uh, I think we're all going to go home and make some amazing cookies. Thanks, Mary. Butter. Always Happy butter. baking, friends. Butter. And uh, what is it, Mary? Uh, parquet. Bye, Mary. <laughs> butter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mary, we'll talk with you next week. Mary Mamaliti, kitchenconfession.com. That's what she runs. If you uh, go on that site, you will find her recipes. She's got some cookie recipes up there also. And discussions. And if you want to hear more of her conversations around food, you can check out the Kitchen Confession podcast, which is up there on your favorite podcast platform. Let's um, take a break, and then we'll come back with our community report. Usually not on Thursdays, but we like to stick some of our community reporters in here and make sure we get our time of the month with them. The issue of air travels for persons with disabilities has received some attention lately. We're going to find out what's going on with that in Edmonton with Mark Workman after the break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back. A fast-flowing show today as we continue on with Kelly and Ramya. We've switched things up for you so much this week. So if you're able to keep oh a handle on goodness. things, I know, then wow. we're, we're proud of you because we're, we're barely remembering the things that we've switched up on each other from hosts to content and everything else. But it's been a fun week well, nonetheless. Well, this is my first day, so... Yeah, oh, no. Oh, no, no. You said it's, it's my second it's not, day. Sorry. Yeah, but anyways, I'll throw things over to you because uh, things keep swapping. Okay, and folks, this is one of the swap situations. Community reporters we generally talk to Monday through Wednesday on the program. We have a kind of random shot here. Boom, let's get into it with a visit with one of our community reporters on a Thursday. Mark Workman joins us with news from Edmonton, Alberta. Mark, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. Lovely to hear your voice, Kelly. It's been a while since uh, we were on the program together. So uh, thanks for making the time. I had a bit of uh, conflict with the schedule, so I appreciate you allowing me to join you on Thursday. 
Well, I have to say, very nice to have you too. And I was thinking that, that, geez, when the heck was the last time we talked on here? But I know the traveling is the thing. So let's do a quick check-in. Uh, what's been going on? Where you been? Um, since we last caught up, which would have been in early October, I had the pleasure of visiting a couple of cities in Spain. So Malaga and Madrid, oh, wow. but also had wow. a side trip to Rabat, Morocco, which was uh, which was an interesting one for sure. Now, was that a more, was that personal or business as well? I almost never travel for personal reasons. Uh, so that was business. <laughs> Who would want to? Who would yeah. want to? The personal is, uh, you know what I did personally for my vacation? Well, stayed home. Oh, Balcony Heights, huh? <laughs> I took a break, um, yeah. Um, so Morocco particular? was... It was um, the African Union of the Blind General Assembly. So it brought together right. delegates from all over Africa to uh, Morocco to do their general assembly, which involves typical things at an annual general meeting. Only this happens every four years, elections, uh, adopting reports, you know, that sort of thing. But for me, it was a great opportunity to meet some of the leaders in the blindness organizations across Africa. Mm, and. When you sit down, when you when you talk, especially, and I know this is it's got to vary from place to place, of course. Um, are there similarities in conversations you hear around the world, or it, it, you know how unique are some of the things to the region, the regions that come to meet there um, that, mm. that you were hearing? What is their hot button kind of? This is something we need to do something about. This is something great that's going on here that other places could take from. Yeah, it's a great question. I would say I do think the issues are similar, although they right. may be more extreme in some situations. So I here know. in Canada, transportation mobility is a challenge for sure. Um, but, you know, we do have relatively good traffic rules. We have well-maintained sidewalks for the most part. I'm not saying this is universal, but in general terms, mm -hmm. You can count on people following the rules of the road. Um, you can count on sidewalks that aren't in terrible shape with, you know, holes and other things in them. That's not the case in some other parts of the world where even just, you know, getting from one place to another on your own is a is a big challenge. So similar in the sense that transportation and mobility are challenges, no matter who I talk to, but the degrees of challenge, the amount of barriers people face uh, mm. are different, definitely from one country to well, another. And I know we have parts of Canada where I could say, hey, there's no sidewalks in these certain communities, mm -hmm. but at least generally people stick to the rules of the roads, where in a lot of other yeah. places, what we consider rules of the road, they just thought, what are you talking about? Just go as fast as you can quicker than someone else. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then that you affects, know. you know, your uh, confidence and ability to to navigate or even to press, right, about different things. Like if, if you're used to certain accommodations, you go to other cities and, and not have that parallel experience. You have a lot of experience with this, Mark, because you travel so much. Uh, it, there are probably, you know, so many circumstances where you're like, I, it's hard to navigate this. Like you need sighted assistance or just uh, generally someone to rely on the support that you may not need in your own familiar yeah and that is that is very true i do travel a lot on my own but that usually means getting from my place to wherever i'm going on yeah. my own once i get there <clears throat> you're right because all of the rules may be different um it, it 
it's not impossible, but it certainly is trickier mm. to go out from the hotel and explore in a way that I'd feel much more comfortable doing that in most yes. cities yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Doesn't just mean where I live, but in Canada, I, I know the language, I know the rules, and um, and I feel more confident going out on my own. So in those in these other cities, you either end up you know taking Ubers. That's one way to to address it. Having sighted assistance, um, eating eating meals in the hotel, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it can be it can be a challenge. Time is of the essence, too. So quickly, before we move on to your next item, very important one, Morocco, Madrid, one thing from either one place or something that you would say people go check out when you're there. Anything to suggest today from either one this of those This one is places? a tricky one because I, I don't know how easily it would be to check it out, but one, it was one of the most um, interesting experiences that I had was in Morocco. We were invited to a dinner at the palace, at one of the palaces. They have many across the country. And so there was a a princess was there. So you had royalty there. Um, There are sort of protocols, you know, standing and applauding when the royal, when the royalty enters the room and exits the room. A lot of food, really ornate, um, sort of uh, decadent kind of silverware and, mm. and embroidered napkins and stuff like that. Just a really interesting experience that uh, that I was not expecting to have uh, when I went there. And I feel very fortunate to get to have those kinds of experiences. Exactly. My goodness. I wonder how many suits you have. Because <laughs> you kind of like dress the part everywhere. I do everywhere. have a closet full of them. They were actually quite strict. They said you have to wear dark clothing and some some people had to go shopping in order to be able to attend uh the event because yeah they did want uh either navy blue or black for your suit i fortunately had a navy blue uh, and a dark shirt. But yeah, you're oh. right. You do got to be prepared for these things. Speaking of rules, am I right? Okay. We're sticking <laughs> to uh, the travel topic for the rest of the segment. The issue of air travel for people with disabilities has received some attention lately. I feel like that's a bit of an understatement. But for those who may have missed this, can you fill us in on what's been going on? Yeah, I did think that probably some folks watching this will have heard this, Mm. uh, but may have not really delved in beyond the headlines. And so I can provide a little bit more information and context around what has happened recently. And I think it's uh, useful information. So Air Canada recently announced that they would be making some changes. Um, Specifically, they highlighted changes around boarding procedures and um, maintaining equipment or taking better care of equipment such as wheelchairs and also updating their training. So there was a few areas that they said they were going to um, do changes quickly. And I say quickly because these a lot of these ideas were set out in their broader three-year accessibility plan, but they decided in response to a couple of things that I'll talk about, they decided to speed up the changes. So why did they make this announcement recently? Basically, they were summoned to Ottawa. They were called to come and speak to ministers in Ottawa, both the transportation minister and the minister for diversity, inclusion, and people with disabilities. So airline officials like like the president and vice presidents of Air Canada met with the ministers. And following that meeting, they came uh, out and made some announcements about some improvements. Uh, I think, though, the interesting thing is why were they summoned to Ottawa? And the reason was there have been several quite high profile incidents that have Mm. taken place in the last year, we could call it. So one person was not provided with their wheelchair 
and ended up having to drag themselves off the plane, which is just horrifying, right? right. To, to imagine yeah. that type of thing. Another person How was degrading. dropped. Absolutely degrading. We had another individual who reported being dropped by staff, which is, of course, dangerous for that person and for staff as well. And then one other one I'll mention is Stephanie Cadu, who is the chief accessibility officer here in Canada, mm -hmm. reported having her wheelchair uh, kind of left behind when she went from Toronto to Vancouver. And because of these types of stories, the federal ministers decided to bring uh, officials to Ottawa to ask them questions and basically tell them this is not good enough. We need to right. we need to fix this. And so the airline officials agreed and made some announcements uh, in response to that. So, so, so before we jump, I know Rum's mm -hmm. got the question for you, but I just want to quantify something because I've been thinking this, Mark, and I'm not sure I'm accurate. Air Canada is also subsidized more than any other airline, if I have that correct, by our federal government. Is that is that right? I think so. Um, I know for sure during the pandemic, there were subsidies that were provided, uh, recognizing that these are important industries and uh, and that they were really hurt by the the, the lockdowns and that sort of thing. Mm. But in general, you're right that uh, airlines are considered important industries, and as such, they do tend to receive support from the federal government. Yeah, that's what I thought the reason partially also had to do with them being summoned, but to particularly that because I think that was the most capital investment the government has has committed to over you know several well many decades. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then just to that point, the, the federal officials have a lot of influence. And when exactly. they say there needs changes need to happen, then the airlines do have to listen. And that's what I was going to ask, because we know that this feels very uh, like official attention um, from our ministers, from our government. Do you think that this kind of thing is going to result in actual improvement for people with disabilities traveling on Air Canada, at least? I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I do think we're seeing some new developments and this isn't um this is not new as in the last year but we now have cameras with us at all times and so a lot of these mm -hmm. incidents of uh, people being discriminated against are are being captured and they're being um, aired and they're being used in media um i think we've got the chief accessibility officer is now engaged and both in a very personal and a professional way on this topic. And so there's some hope there that she can have some influence. The fact that ministers are involved and uh, kind of laying down the law is good. Um, and this does, you know, this is connected to the Accessible Canada Act because the accessibility plan that I mentioned there, Air Canada has this three-year plan that they're going to speed up a few items in it. That's only because of the Accessible Canada Act. Yeah. So that legislation is is requiring businesses like Air Canada to put together uh, plans, and so that gives me some hope as well. I would one thing I would like to see is is that generally speaking, regulation is effective when there are penalties associated mm -hmm. with not complying. So, you know, a lot of passengers without disabilities receive all kinds of compensation for things that I would argue are much less significant than losing or damaging a wheelchair. Right? Like that's the kind of thing where compensation should definitely be available. And if, you know, if there are penalties, you'll see less of that type of behavior. Yep, that's exactly where I was going to go as well. You know, what happens if they don't? They don't take care mm -hmm. of these items and they left Ottawa and they're like, oh my gosh, of course we'll get it done and then actually don't. Um, really quickly, is there anything else you'd be looking for as a person who does travel a lot? 
I would say the things that we've been talking about are largely going to benefit people who use wheelchairs and, and mobility equipment. In the accessibility plan that I mentioned a couple of times, there are other um, plans related to accessibility of website, of mobile application, working to improve assistance um, and, and maybe changing some of the physical design, right? Like having better color contrast for people with low vision or having braille in um in the aircraft so there are lots of ideas in the plan itself that uh, i do think will have more of a direct benefit for people who are blind or partially sighted so we'll um we all will watch to see how those mm. changes come about as well excellent mark thanks a lot always wonderful to talk to you it's been a while we'll talk to you next month thank you take care bye-bye okay and maybe Mark or I will be here. Uh, Mark Workman <laughs> is our committee reporter in Edmonton, Alberta. I guess I'll be here regardless. We're going to take oh, a yeah. break. You're out of vacations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't start. Uh, we're going to take a break and come back with a better note, hopefully, on the roundtable conversation. Mark Phoenix has yet again volunteered to be our guest. Kelly McDonald's got the topics for us. We'll be right back with that. He's out of vacation, too. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramya, and I will say I have a wet spot on my arm because uh, Glasgow has this thing, right, Glasgow? My dog that's in studio with me has this uh, thing where he demands pets by nudging me under, like, at the forearm with his wet nose and he will do that until you pet him it's quite the scene and so does anyways, he lift your uh he lifts my arm up and wrist up not yeah, just the like, hand just the forearm uh, like yeah it just goes right under and nudges with his nose and he's been doing it so insistently incessantly the last uh, two minutes that i have now a wet spot on my arm anyways i love it. it yeah it's pretty <laughs> that's why the cartoon noise came out as you called it Kelly. Yeah, but the audience didn't get to hear that. Our upcoming no. guest did, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and wondered, what? What the heck happened? I thought for a moment, hey, why is somebody playing cartoon characters when it's not me doing the voices? Not you. Anyway, folks, it's that time on Thursdays for the Weekly Roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say yeah, it. The blind guy feels it now goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Say, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Thanks, folks. This is that time where we throw a few things on that round table, settle on back, and Ramya and our guest chat it up. So our guest, uh, we have on the round table quite regularly. Mark Phoenix joins us from Newfoundland. Um, Rum, we talk all the time about that fall feeling, the warmth, and we've decided here on this program that soup and hearty meals, maybe a thick soup, or homemade bread mm. fits the bill. So I happen <laughs> to know of a supplier. I'm not sure how good. I'm not sure how good the bread would be by the time it got to you. But this fellow <laughs> was making it when I asked him to be on the round table yesterday. He put the spoon down and said, yeah, sure. Um, Mark, tell us about the soup again. Well, the soup is Newfoundland pea soup, which is oh. pea soup with carrots, potatoes, cabbage, turnip. Listen, and the most, listen. the most important part, salt beef what oh yeah. oh yeah do i even know what that is 
Uh, maybe um, not, but uh, hopefully no. you get to find out one day. It's literally just a hunk of preserved beef. You take you, you take it out of its package. You soak it the night before to get you know a lot of the salt out. Then you toss <laughs> it in your pea soup, um, and it salts it up real good. And it breaks down all the fat, the connective tissue comes apart and gets into the soup and makes it all thick and yummy. And it d- does it do what pea meal bacon would do you know just like a giant chunk of salty meat mm, i am not sure what would happen but you know if you want to try it be my guest no. but, uh, uh, <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> hey, so, so out there mark do you have the and i don't know how much of a fish person you are and i know there's been quite a shortage of the cod but my mother mm. used to be big on the salt pork cod and potatoes and we used to do the same thing. I used to get upset because, why do we have to get most of that salt out of there? I want it just like that. Right. But we'd have little pieces of it mixed in with mm-hmm. the cod. Um, and it was just absolutely wonderful. Um, but very small pieces. It's interesting, the salt beef, salt pork connector, as far as I'm concerned, out there. Mm-hmm. And salt fish. I mean, uh, right. fish and brews is something that I discovered when I first moved out here, which is basically fish potato and hard bread all fried up and cooked together uh you can get like um you can have it with drawn butter or something called scrunchions uh which are like these little salty oh, balls yeah. of bad yeah, i they're think good. They're really, they're good. absolutely mm-hmm. delicious yeah um but basically yeah salt fish hash of some kind is just delightful um and i do love seafood <laughs> so okay. you know oh. i'll uh, i'll oh. eat it up would you say you have seafood every few days uh, less than you would think. Uh, interestingly, a bad. lot of a lot of people are not big into the seafood uh, oh. around here. Um, it's you know, I, mean, I guess it's a matter of you work around it all day, or it's just a, you know, kind of a yep. cultural thing. But uh, there, you know, fish and chip places are still a big thing here. Uh, we've got a couple nice ones in town here in the town where I am, uh, and of course uh, during you know. Uh, there's a food fishery season for a couple weeks every year where you can go fish your own cod or whatever's, you know, swimming through the bay at that time. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of, fri- you know, a lot of fried food, a lot of soups yeah. and breads, that kind of thing. You know, it's things that keep you warm during those cold winter mm-hmm. months on the island. There. See you, Muthan? I was waiting for that. I want to check your political uh, thermometer, speaking of keeping warm, guys. A new poll Uh suggests that almost two in three Canadians have a negative impression of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and half want him to resign before the next election. Trudeau's Liberals have just passed the eighth anniversary of their first election win in 2015. But a Leger poll of over 1,600 Canadians done last weekend for the Canadian press suggests widespread dissatisfaction with the Liberal government on everything from housing affordability and inflation to health care, government spending and climate change. While affordability, housing and public debt are higher on the reasons people want Trudeau to go, one in five people surveyed said they want him to resign simply because they're just tired of him. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Ramya, I've said this, and you've said it on this program, the guy doesn't have the cachet that his father did, so I understand that, including when his father finished as prime minister, sitting in food courts and actually holding court with people, I've been told, that would come up. He he gave you access. As a prime minister, he gave you access. He was a Montreal Canadiens fan that, you know, rooted publicly for his team. He was out there and on the world market. People loved him. I know when I voted, and I voted for Justin Trudeau the first time, I know I voted for his father. 
silly way to vote, right? I would say mm. maybe the apple doesn't fall from that far from the tree. Um, we also had him at AMI before he was prime minister, uh, which was a really nice visit. But that doesn't translate. He wasn't campaigning, anything like that. Um, and, and it was a nice little visit. Told, tells you nothing about what we now have seen during his tenure. Can I ask your feeling on what you hear, the temperature you hear and this poll? Yeah. Do you, do you totally buy right into it? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, 1,600 people is not a lot. That's what they said, right, the poll. Um, but still, I think that it could be generally how a lot of people feel, simply because the last eight years or however many is not a great time to be Prime Minister of Canada. It really isn't. That's like, right. he had to deal with a lot. Um, the parties, all of us, had to deal with a lot. And regardless of who was or could be in his place right now, I think we'd feel similarly, just kind of sick and tired, just kind of over it, just like, you know, there was so much to get to. And I think aside from just holding up all the, the things that uh, the party promised and what they had to get to and the agenda items that they came in here with for both terms, also, they had to deal with everything else and the repercussions mm -hmm. and, you know, the unprecedented X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's just, it's chaos. It's a lot of chaos. So, you know, it is, it feels a little unfair just from, you know, a moral point of view to be like, oh, that sucks. Like, just resign, please, sir. Um, but also, <laughs> you could really understand because I feel very similarly, just that can we get a change of pace, please? Like, we have too much expectation of what sh shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, Mark, I confess to how I voted. I'm not sure you did the same. A little younger than me and not necessarily, I'm not sure what your connection, if anything, to his father. But when we look at what Ramya just said, this last eight years, the pandemic alone, the fact that you are going to upset people, especially when you tell them stay at home, you got to stay at home. I got a what? And so much more. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough, it would have been a rough few years for any government mm. in uh, their position. And, you know, semi-stable governments in Canada seem to have a hang time of about seven to 10 years yeah. before people just get tired of them. Uh, the distance between the promises they made and the policies they've actually implemented becomes too great. People get restless, uh, you know, looking for someone to blame, you know, rightly or wrongly for their present circumstances. And, you know, the easiest target, often, you know, a good one is whoever is presently in power. And mm -hmm. the distance between, you know, once you get into a job as a politician, you slowly drift away from, you know, kind of really knowing what's happening in the, the wider world, particularly as you get into higher and higher positions, minister, cabinet minister, prime minister. So the fact that, you know, we have a prime minister who was literally born, you know, in into power um, is going to influence how he, how he and the people he selects views things, even though for a while, you know, he did what's considered, you know, real jobs. He was a teacher for a right. while. Right. Um, sure. He was at, yeah, like he's, you know, he's worked with kids, he's, you know, worked with other people. Um, but he's still ultimately someone who wanted to be a politician, who got the big job, who got the top job, who came from that air of, you know, running, you know, running with, um, Ill, you know, people in, you know, high places, upper classes. And, you know, people, you know, they're going to want to find someone else, whether they'll find someone else to settle on, I guess we're going to find out. 
And maybe in another eight years, we'll find out how sick people are of the new boss. I'm curious how you guys feel he has done with his cabinets and why? Because we know as disabled people, we see someone with a disability. We've seen the efforts to do this. We've seen minorities uh, reflected. And, and again, as we are a more visible country with everyone having cameras and so much going right to right to media, as we've spoken about, Mark, did we do the, has he done a good job there? <laughs> middling is how I would call it. Mm. I, I I wouldn't say he's set, I wouldn't say the present government set anything back, but I'm not sure how much progress can be said to have been done. I mean, let's just think back to this last segment you just did, discussing, you know, disabled people trying to navigate our air travel system and being humiliated for their trouble. That's something that should not be happening with all the words that have been said about let's have a minister of disabilities and accessibility, let's have an accessibility officer, and here we are with people still literally having to drag themselves off planes and to find their, you know, their adaptive equipment busted. Um, whether I'm just, you know, there's been talk about having uh, something equivalent to the ADA in the U S um, mm -hmm. there's been talk about having, you know, a disability benefit still hasn't happened. Great words. Where's the beef? Yep. Well, actually it's in that, you know, soup you've been making. Rami, yeah. your reflections <laughs> on this at all. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Mark, just that we, there's nothing that you can point to to say, oh my God, this was amazing. And I'm very hesitant to the next government would proceed with this momentum. But I do think that there have been some things like puzzle pieces put into place. Yeah, or to a degree, right? Like it's works in progress that I think, um, and I do think that there is something to say about not having set back. And that's one thing. Like, there's always a bit of momentum when you think four plus years of a government uh, that the good things are kind of rolling, or at least hopefully rolling without much interruption. And then you kind of keep your fingers crossed that it'll continue moving in that direction with the next government. But never know. Hey, guys. The USA. Um Agency for International Development says it will restart food aid deliveries through Ethiopia in December, following a halt that happened due to massive corruption by local officials. USAID agreed to resume food aid to roughly 1 million refugees in Ethiopia after the Ethiopian government agreed to remove itself from transporting, storing, and distributing food supplies. USAID officials and the UN World Food Program suspended food aid to the country's Tigray region in mid-March after uncovering a colossal scheme by government officials to steal donated grain. The two agencies suspended their programs across the entire country in June after discovering the theft was nationwide, and officials say it could be the largest ever theft of food aid. The Associated Press has reported that possibly thousands of people have starved to death in Tigray since the suspension. I'm Donna Water. So I always wondered what really happens. As a kid, I'd see all this stuff on TV as the years would go by and you'd get these phone calls back in the day. Hey, will you give to? And that was the biggest concern. Are things going to go really there, Ramya? I don't know if you've had a person in your life that kind of stood by doing this kind of donation that's supporting and saying, no, I'm giving to these orphans or these children in, um, I want to see them fed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, my mother is someone who often um, takes part in 
programs like this or donation, especially overseas and especially knowing like where she came from in Sri Lanka and the kinds of mm-hmm. um, situations that she's had to face from here, that's her way of connecting back with situations back, back home, right? Yeah, giving back and still feeling like she can contribute. Contribute. Exactly. Yeah. So when you hear stuff like this, it's just so rough to think how much it would kill a person's motivation or um how do you say it? belief right in in, in being able to contribute this way exactly yeah yeah mark have you felt this all your life that is is that been a concern that may have or maybe encouraged you to give or not to well it's an interesting question because i mean i'm i'm always a proponent of mutual aid of supporting other people and you know it's difficult to do when you're 10,000 kilometers away from whatever it is that you want to support. And often the easiest way to support something at that point is donate some money. Now, the question then becomes, do you trust the entire uh, chain Mm. of people to not skim enough off the top that nothing actually gets to where it's supposed to go? Um, For a lot of people, uh, they don't have the time or the energy to get their own boots on the ground Mm -hmm. and work on something. You might be able to support someone going to work on that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina when uh, a whole pile of people went down there, something called the Common Ground Collective, to help clear out the Ninth Ward, rebuild homes, uh, support people who've been, you know, literally washed out of their living spaces. And that was people you know, getting up and going down there Um, for something like this situation in Ethiopia, the most that a lot of people could do hope for is donate to an organization and hope they know what they're doing. And the thing you're going to find with any kind of transfer of resources, someone's going to try to skim off the top. It's a position Mm. of power. Someone's going to look at that and go, I can get some of that for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you just had, you know, it's just a matter of, there's a lot of trust involved in these in these yep. uh, organizations and operations, and you got to go in understanding that some people are going to take advantage of that trust, but your focus has to be on the cause itself. What are you doing? Yep. How do you make it happen, even through someone trying to walk off with the bag? That is a I hard think, balance to strike. It is. And I think about one of your items you brought when you were filling in for Bill, Mark, And we talked about how much stuff gets wasted because people aren't doing the jobs of the recycling parts and things that need to go that we feel are going somewhere end up not. And I wonder the same thing here. Who in our, because our world, especially here in our own country, is filled with somebody who, well, I I can't do all this work today. Uh, Somebody's off sick. We're sure. It can't all fall on me. How much stuff gets wasted, even starting before it even goes overseas Mm. to the corruption? Thanks, pal. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say very quickly, the best thing you you can do, take care of those you know, take care of those close to you, Mm -hmm. take care of those that you run across in your daily life and go out from there. Yeah. Mark Phoenix joining us. Great words. As usual, fun to have you on the roundtable. We'll see if we can get you back here before Christmas, pal. Thank you. Uh, uh, Thank you. I'm sure you'll drag me back in somehow. I was told you were bread. volunteering. Okay. Maybe. Yes. And so, yeah, always push <laughs> volunteering. Anyway, that keeps some people out of the contributor money. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the round table once a week on Thursdays right here. I stopped using the word victim of the round table, so I really did start believing that they were volunteering. But uh, now we've different got our v, second a different guess. V. Yeah. We're going to take a break and come back to wrap the show here with you. We've got the teaser for the Friday edition of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv as well. So stick around for that. 
We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Nice that you're continuing to stick around with us. We're just wrapping up the show here. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. You can catch us live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and the first airing of the show 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and available always and forever on your favorite podcast platform. So, Kels, what did we agree you're going to do the vanity today? Because I, oops. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Okay. I like glad you said that. Listen, you can hear the ball bouncing. <laughs> it's still yeah. bouncing. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can check it out on your favorite podcast platform. We're segmented out for you. We also have the full show available as it is on your podcasts. So let's get to now with Dave Brown. This is the daily um, live TV show on AMI-TV, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, two hours with Dave Brown, unless, of course, he's being swapped out for Alex Smythe, which is happening this week. So Alex has got some great conversations for you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Friday edition. What do they have planned, Kels? The cast of characters kick things off tomorrow with the Friday news panel when it convenes. As Michelle McQuig and Joita Gutta join Alex to discuss some of the big issues of the week. And that will include tomorrow. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau attended the OPEC um, summit in San Francisco, which also included meeting different leaders and dignitaries with recent trade and diplomatic skirmishes with India and China. The panel will uh, discuss the resonance of Canada's presence on the international stage. And I think nothing but Justin's father in that presence we were talking about mm. on the roundtable. Laura Bain will be there with the entertainment report. Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access will offer recommendations of recent winning Canadian titles from national and international literary competitions. Wow. Nice. Good lineup. And there are some great recommendations for you, Rob. Exactly. Our friends from Steeler are always keeping us posted on the latest and the greatest. And they just got great recommendations of their own as well. So I'm sure those will come up tomorrow in the convo. 9 a.m. Eastern time. Check them out live now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Speaking of television, I found this for our closing moment today. The uh, First of all, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. Okay. All right. For people who did watch Game of Thrones, and even if you didn't, this is an interesting fact. The Night Watch cloaks, so cloaks being worn by the Night Watchmen on Game of Thrones, are made from IKEA rugs. The show bought the rugs, shaved them down, and then dyed them to make the cloaks what we know them to be. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a surprising thing, like, oh, wow. The first thing no. I thought of was just funny things that came up during Game of Thrones. Super fans would pick out any and every discrepancy during the show. So I think right. I think it's nice that they would have, like, uh, just background on some of the things that we're actually using. But, Kels, you're a theater guy. You know what it's like to make props out of every random thing possible. Yeah, and there were certain things I would never want to have to find stuff to. It's one thing when you have a world of make-believe and you can do something yeah. like that, but there's always... And again, I'm not suggesting for a moment general fans look and say, that looks like a shaven Ikea rug. <laughs> yeah. No, probably not. But but you are amazed by things when you say to someone, how did you do that? Or how did you make... Oh, that's a reflection from little mirrors mm, that makes mm. it look like it's water. Or that's this. Or they wore these things for. And then there's a lot of time you don't want to know. 
congealed yeah, food especially used for not, slime and oh stuff God, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's true. Or you don't want to know until after the fact. Right? You don't want to know while the series is going on. That's why no, it's fun. because it will kill your enjoyment. Exactly. It's fun when a series sure. ends because you can get the inside scoop afterwards. Hey, yeah. we'll be back tomorrow for more conversation with you on Kelly and Ramia. One of those includes AI starting to outperform meteorologists. Saw that coming. John Beeler is going to tell us more. On our gardening segment with Susan Kearney, we chat about a few watering tools that can help you with your plants, and you'll never know if we're for real or not. The series will never end. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. No matter how much we work on it, it's still a busy time of the year, isn't it? We may not necessarily be affected by the American Thanksgiving. Happy American Thanksgiving, I guess, uh, about a week away um, in the same sense up here in Canada. But everybody's busy getting ready, being involved in things and the countdown to Christmas. And that's part of it for us. None of us think at Thanksgiving Canada style, oh boy, it's American Thanksgiving. You know, I mean, hey... Might even be some time to watch some football. Maybe I'll take games in next week. <laughs> but after that, we have our live show. Then we have AMI, some Christmas stuff going on. And, of course, our show's Christmas show. Since we've moved to television, things have looked very different. And we're aware of that, too, with the show. Long-time people, you kind of look. But I know you follow us. You understand that, hey, man, they can't do some of the things the same way for in front of television. And we're always making note, always trying to make the show better. Or it's hard for us. We somewhat, I'm sure, are seen as people who are a bit eccentric and pining for the old days. And some of that, you know, we can try to captify to the best of our ability. Sometimes we can't. And that's sometimes a struggle for us as we walk through this whole, let's get this show together. Let's do what we can to make people feel, hey, this is still our show. So we, we do it on the basic roots, our contributors, ourselves, day to day, the structure of the show. Um, and some of the special events and some of that stuff will be coming back, back to basics, things that we know have gained some real interest. For those of you who have found the show and wondering what some of these things I'm referring to are the feel, you know, um, we want to make sure that you just continue to enjoy the show and we'll show you. Those who have been with the show for a while, we absolutely love that you're with us and always love feedback. But guys, we do know. And all we say is bless you. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Uh, and we are marching towards one of our people's favorite shows, our Christmas show. Um, and we know whatever happens, you're going to get the true spirit of the Kelly and Romeo show and that festive time. In the meanwhile, lots ahead and lots of experiences. And uh, just hang on. Let's go for the ride. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.